For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The word I would use to describe the 1990s Denver Nuggets is extreme. Slide extreme definition into Google and you'll get the following. Furthest from the center or a given point. Outermost. I think that captures how the 90s were in Denver. There were no championships in just three playoff appearances, so it wasn't extremely good or extremely successful. It was the type of extreme that you usually don't want. Let's break it down. The Nuggets were one of the steadiest franchises in the NBA in the 80s. At the center of their team was Alex English, a soft-spoken small forward who was by the numbers the best scorer of the 80s. Nobody scored more points in the decade than Alex English, and those points also converted to wins. English and the Nuggets made nine consecutive postseason appearances from 1982 to 1990. But after English and head coach Doug Moe left Denver in 1990, chaos ensued. Doug Moe's departure brought in Paul Westhead. Westhead was actually the head coach of the 1980 Lakers championship team. But shortly after that, a divide occurred between Westhead and point guard Magic Johnson. The story goes that Westhead wanted to implement an offense where the head coach had more power to call plays. Magic wasn't feeling that and gave the front office an ultimatum. It's either me or Westhead. For what I imagine was an incredibly difficult and time-consuming decision, the Lakers sided with the most popular basketball player in the world and fired Paul Westhead. So 10 years later, Westhead arrives in Denver. And again, he wants to implement a new offense. This offense, he says, will be unlike anything the NBA has ever seen. He proclaimed that the Nuggets would be the first team in NBA history to score 200 points in a game. I would describe that philosophy as rather extreme. Westhead wasn't lying. The Nuggets did lead the league in points per game in his first year. The problem is that they also gave up the most points in the league, but not just in 1991 of all time. The 91 Nuggets gave up just under 131 points per game, a record that still stands to this day. They finished the season 20-62 and 62 as the worst team in the NBA. The Westhead era lasted just one more season, and again, Denver suffered. They went 24-58, and 58, good for the fourth worst record in the NBA. So in 1992, Westhead is fired and in comes Dan Issel. Issel spent 15 years as a player in the ABA and the NBA and ended up in the Hall of Fame. Issel's first move was to give the keys of the offense to Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf, a third-year player who they selected number three overall in the 1990 draft. Abdul-Rauf received spotty minutes under Westhead in his first two seasons, but with Issel, he flourished. In Issel's first year in 1993, Abdul-Rauf won Most Improved Player. In 1994, Issel's second season, Denver squeaked into the playoffs as the number eight seed. Their opponent was the 63-win, number one-seeded Seattle Supersonics by far the best and most electrifying team in the NBA. Seattle took the first two games in the five-game series by double digits. By the number, Denver was doomed. But over the next five days, the Nuggets took game three, then a few days later they took game four, and finally they took game five. They became the first eight seed to beat a one seed in the playoffs. They almost took the next round, but they fell to Utah in seven games. 
Over the next two years, Denver drafted incredibly well. In 1995, they took Michigan standout Jalen Rose, a 6'8 point forward who could do nearly everything on the court. The next year, they nabbed Antonio McDice, who entered the league as a walking double-double. So here we are, 1996. Denver has Abdul Rauf at point, Bryant Stith at two, Rose at three, McDice at four, and Dikembe Mutombo at the five. This starting five, no matter how you look at it, was really solid. Mutombo was the oldest of the group at 29, but everyone else was 26 or younger. The Nuggets seemed to be set up to be a threat in the West for years to come. But there was no gradual ascension into a Western Conference Dynamo for this group. No, Rose didn't develop into a two-way star in a Nuggets uniform. Matumbo, already solidified as one of the best defenders of all time, wouldn't stay a Nugget for life. In fact, out of those five starters that I named just a few minutes ago, just one, Bryant Stith, was on the team after the 1997 season. So what the hell happened? Well, the first domino fell when Joe Williams, a local Denver radio host, brought up on air that their point guard, Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf, hadn't been standing for the national anthem. Just a month earlier, Abdul-Rauf dropped 32 points and got the win against Michael Jordan's 72-10 1996 Bulls, arguably the best team of all time. Little did he or anybody else know that this would be one of his last 30-point games in the NBA. Overnight, Abdul Rauf and the National Anthem became the biggest sports story in the world. Just a few months later, after the 1996 season, Denver showed their hand. On June 13, 1996, just two days after the 96 finals ended, and a few months after that radio call, Denver made two trades. The first order of business was shipping out Abdul Rauf, who they deemed too controversial. They sent him to Sacramento for Sarunas Marcellonis. Marcellonis was a good player and a European legend, but he played just 17 games for the Nuggets in 1997 before retiring. On the same exact day, Denver traded Jalen Rose, Reggie Williams, in the 10th overall pick in the 96 draft to Indiana for Mark Jackson, Ricky Pierce, in the 23rd pick in the 96 draft. On paper, this trade doesn't seem like a disaster. Mark Jackson was one of the most solid point guards in the NBA, and Ricky Pierce was a former All-Star. But when we dig a little bit deeper, you find that not only was this trade bad, but it was a catastrophe. Let's start with Mark Jackson. Jackson played just 52 games in Denver before they decided to trade him back to Indiana for Vincent Askew, who ended up playing just one game in Denver, and Eddie Johnson, who was waived by the team a week after the trade. It gets worse. Ricky Pierce played a grand total of 33 games in Denver in 1997 before getting traded to Charlotte for Anthony Goldwire and George Zydek. Goldwire averaged eight points per game for Denver across two seasons, and Zydek was waived by the team after appearing in eight games. That alone would deem the trade a failure. They sent out Rose, who would play 11 more seasons in the NBA at a borderline all-star level, for less than a year of Mark Jackson and 33 games of Ricky Pierce. Ironically, Jackson and Rose would become teammates in Indiana from 1998 to 2000. Together, they made multiple deep playoff runs, including coming two games short of the 2000 championship against the Lakers. And what about those picks in the Rose trade? If you remember, Denver swapped the 10th pick in the 96 draft for the 23rd pick in the 96 draft. With that 10th pick, Indiana took Eric Dampier. But I want us to just take a look at the players that were drafted right after 10. Kobe Bryant at 13, Peja Stojakovic at 14, 
Steve Nash at 15, and Jermaine O'Neal at 17. You would think that after trading Rose, an athletic wing, Kobe Bryant would have been a decent fit to replace him. In the same offseason, Dikembe Mutombo, who was a free agent, decided to take a mega deal in Atlanta. So without Abdurraouf, Rose, and Mutombo, Denver finished 21-61 in 1997. Good for the fourth worst record in the NBA. But with a bad record comes a good draft pick. Number five overall. They used that on big man Tony Batie, who was a career role player and never averaged more than 10 points per game or seven rebounds per game in a season. Four picks later, Tracy McGrady went to Toronto at number nine. Again, he would have been a decent replacement for Jalen Rose. Before the 1998 season, Denver moved on from McDice. They shipped him to Phoenix in a three-team deal. And in 1998, the Nuggets made history. No, it wasn't the same type of history as upsetting the number one seed Sonics in 94 or beating the 72-10 and 10 Bulls in 96. This is what we like to call the wrong side of history. The 1998 Nuggets won 11-71, and 71, good for the fifth worst record in NBA history. They began the season 0-12, were 2-38 after 40 games, and suffered separate losing streaks of 23 games and 16 games in that season. But again, as we've gone over, a bad season means a good draft pick. Denver got the number three overall pick in the 1998 draft, which they used on big man Rafe LaFrance. Antoine Jameson, Vince Carter, Dirk Nowitzki, and Paul Pierce were all selected after Denver and in the top 10. It didn't get much better for Denver in the years that followed. From 1999 to 2003, Denver failed to make the playoffs and went through four different head coaches. In more than one of those seasons, they were among the worst teams in the league. And that is a recap of an utterly disastrous decade for the Denver Nuggets. I hope you guys enjoyed. This is Forgotten Seasons host Dylan Dreyfus. I'll catch you guys next time.